Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. Hey, Look, I'm here I, too. Uh, I'm here <laughs> as well. I'm, I'm also We're here. helping, George. And we don't put on voices when we read ads. Look, we know you want to get to the podcast, <laughs> so we're going to keep this short. When it comes to opera, we're the only ones bringing you everything you need to know about the art form, the people, and the stories every damn week. Now, what more do you people want from us? If Rihanna Giddens' aria code was every week, we'd be screwed. They hired a woman, ladies. <laughs> Come on. So, they, you got to start getting into so this. It's so good. Aria code. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's Check like, it out. Five bucks buys an ad on social media. 10 bucks covers our website for a month and 20 bucks makes 100 lapel pins. Ooh. 20 bucks. That's less than what Oliver spends each week on pomegranate molasses and fancy tahini. That's true. That's not so a joke. The, the original ad had something about hair products and I'm almost bald so I don't understand what you're trying to go. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to talk about hair products in this room, I'm probably the one that consumes the most of everyone. So yeah, so 10 bucks buys my hair products for a week, guys. You can do it. Don't think you can give? Oh yes, you can. Simply review us on Apple Podcasts, share our Facebook posts or retweet us. Most so of all, the retweeting is actually very environmentally sound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Reduce your carbon footprint. Retweet. Exactly. Just use one Especially if you use real birds. Over and over again. Mm -hmm. yeah. And most of all, keep listening to America's talk radio show about opera. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, let's get ready to Wherever you are, however you're listening, welcome to America's talk radio show about opera, period. Live in the Lakeside studio on WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1 Evanston, Chicago. I'm your host, Weston Williams, joined tonight by Oliver Camacho and guest panelist, LaRob Payton. All right, tonight, Lyric Opera of Chicago and the Met have announced their 2020 to 2021 seasons, and we are happy to declare that progress is being made. But first, there's a reason so few black people go to the symphony. That's a quote from an article by conductor Brandon Keith Brown on an evergreen topic for us, the diversity problem in opera. Plus, in the two-minute drill, Anna Netrebko gets an award and some criticism. Opera Theater St. Louis gets a huge gift. And Javier Camarena gets yet another encore. And, of course, you can call us on air and get your voice heard. 847-866-WNUR is our number in studio. Give us your hot take on the latest opera news stories. 847-866-9687. Or tweet us at Opera Box Score or post on our Facebook page. So many ways to get in contact Oliver Camacho, how are you? Oops, we're not going to talk about that Opera Theater St. Louis story. Um, oh, we're not? We cut it. But we cut it? We cut for it, time? Yeah. No, because we they talked about gift. it a week you weren't here. So, oh, um, okay. That's what yeah, happens. That's okay, though. We still want <laughs> Opera Theater St. Louis to know how much we love them. If you want to Friends. know what that story was about, go yeah. back and listen to last that's week's a, show. It's a teaser, yes. Which yeah. I did not do. Uh, and we have a very special guest in the studio. We have LaRob. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having how me. How is your, uh, your debut on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Opera Box Score, that highest of honors going so far. Seriously, it's an honor to be here. Um, uh, this is a, an incredible studio. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's say. beautiful in here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yesterday was the All-Star Game, and I know that because I like living with uh, straight boys in their 20s. <laughs> and um, they happen to be French somehow. Um, oui, oui. And they all love basketball. They call it basket. It's so cute. Um, but anyway, yesterday was the <laughs> All-Star Game, and there was Team Giannis and Team... Um, LeBron and I was totally team Giannis because you know I'm a Europhile uh, but other things happened in the All-Star game Shaka Khan sang yes, the national anthem did. 
And if you are like a Facebook user and there's like this singer forum, there was so much shade being thrown at Shaka Khan. I thought she was amazing. And, you know, all, uh, the All-Star Game is a celebration of excess, isn't it? So why not have an excessive performance? Um, what are your opinions, Rob? You know, it's interesting. What I've seen on Facebook is that the, the opinions are totally polarized. It's either you absolutely loved it and you appreciated it, that it was Shaka Khan or you thought that it was a complete mess. I'm <laughs> um, somewhere on that side. Really? Um, it stayed in tune and, and uh, no, it did. It stayed in tune and she went <laughs> she sang some different you, melodies there, you, but you know, she, I felt like she kept it on track and I knew exactly <laughs> where the tonal center was the entire time. I am so proud of your ears. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I commend her because she's the queen. We love Shaka Khan, but that was a performance. <laughs> I mean, she's truly... preserved her voice for somebody who's been oh. singing for longer than we've been alive. Oh, you know? definitely. She's definitely still got the voice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying she cannot sing anymore. I'm saying that that performance was not the ain't nobody Shaka Khan that I really want to listen to. Well, that's not the national anthem. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, I wish it was. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh. If we had like a disco national anthem. Yeah. All right. We got to talk some opera. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. That's what you're listening to. Earlier this month, opera and symphonic conductor Brandon Keith Brown wrote a scathing critique of largely white classical music audiences for the medium titled, When Black Conductors Aren't Comfortable at Concerts, Classical Music Has a Real Problem. Brown, a noted social justice advocate regularly published in the medium and Berlin's Daily Mirror, writes that at an important venue in a large Midwestern city that shall remain nameless, he was told by a white patron to, quote, go sit somewhere else, and that's not a paraphrase. After complaining to house staff, the usher offered to move him to a different seat and not her. Since that night, he has not returned to said venue. The conductor goes on with an anecdote about how the problem is not specific to the U.S., citing an experience he had in box seats in Berlin's concert house. Brown's article has been widely circulated and has sparked other musicians and fans to share their stories of prejudice and sometimes explicit racism at the concert hall. So we've invited LaRob K. Payton, who is a singer based here in Chicago, who is also passionate about opera's diversity problem and is trying to highlight those issues with his own organization, Hearing in Color. Welcome to you again, LaRob. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit, uh, before we get started in tearing apart this article here, um, uh, what is Hearing in Color all about? Well, Hearing and Cutter is, is basically just that. It's an organization that aims to highlight all of the work and the music by composers of color, by artists of color. Um, so often they are overshadowed by mm -hmm. composers like Mozart and Schubert. But there's so much beautiful music that needs to be performed and programmed, not in a tokenist way. Right. Um, so we try to give that its, its forefront. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So obviously when I read this article, uh, uh, for all of you viewing audiences back at home, I'm very white. Yes. Uh, so I'm curious. We have two persons of color now. But you, in the you're, you're also uh, in your own minority of very tall people. That's so. true. And yeah. uh, so. our struggles are, are very hard. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was wondering uh, uh, what kind of the two of you, as persons of color who are in this sort of largely white art form, I wonder how you guys read the article and how you. Uh, uh, perceived what he was saying. Well, I mean, I saw this article first being shared on Facebook because that's because I'm of a certain age. I'm older than I'm older than 35, <laughs> and that is the social media platform that we use. 
Um, I know that people out there are doing their TikToks and their whatever, <laughs> their snappy chats, you know. <laughs> I'm just not there yet. I don't think I ever will. But, um, yeah, so I read this and I saw so many people sharing it. And I also saw a lot of personal anecdotes about ex- experience they've had uh, in classical music venues. And uh, I'm just so glad that somebody as intelligent and thoughtful and well-spoken, <laughs> that sounds so racist, mm-hmm. as uh, Brandon <laughs> Keith Brown wrote this, that. and <laughs> that it's, it's, getting, it's getting shared widely. Uh, I, of course, had my own experiences, but I come from a generation um, of you know immigrant family where you don't acknowledge it. You actually just you know, put your head down and you work harder and you, you know, transcend uh, all of those issues. And like, that is my, that's how I was raised. And maybe that is a little bit of self-hatred. Uh, it's caused some self-hatred because like, I just expect to hear those things. I expect to have those experiences because I put myself in arenas where there are not a lot of people of color. And I see younger generations uh, being easily triggered by, you know, every microaggression. And I think that they don't have a thick enough skin, but maybe I'm the one who's broken because I have allowed so much prejudice uh, to come my way and never even acknowledged it, you know, or tried to combat it. And I've had some experience like I when I was um, I won't talk about Chicago venues because those venues are, you know, often giving me free tickets to their stuff. So, but, uh, <laughs> but um, for example, I was at uh, Covent Garden a couple years ago and I was wearing my black suit. I didn't have a tie on. And so I guess I could have been confused for uh, the coat check staff. Oh, but no. I remember I was uh, giving my coat to the coat check staff and this lady behind me like basically tried to hand me off her fur because she just assumed that I worked there, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was sudden. Like, I just, no, I said to her, no, I don't work here. So, you know, like I'm, that's basically what happened. But it, it hit me that that's what she was. She just looked at me and saw, oh, you're a brown person and you're wearing all black. So you obviously work here, you know, without thinking about it twice, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, stuff like that has happened. There's, I have other stories. That's just one that I could think of at the top of my head. Uh, where like if I was more sensitive and more easily triggered, I might really, you know, have gone off on that lady and given her a piece of my mind. But I didn't, you know, it's like stuff like that happens to me. You know. Hmm. Well, you, uh, you know, it's interesting, this conversation about like sensitivity. I think that this the younger generation, I'm going to speak for us. Um, <laughs> you you know, use TikTok. <laughs> I don't use TikTok. <laughs> I'm like kind of young, but a little bit older than TikTok. So I think it's interesting to say like since sensitivities and like thick skin. I don't know if the issue is that we don't have thick skin. I think the issue is that we're tired. Yeah. Really, really. And and so there's just a matter of addressing these issues head on now, whether it be in an article like, you know, Mr. Brown wrote in his article for Medium. I think it's Maestro Brown. Maestro Brown, I apologize. <laughs> um, or if it's really calling it out right then and there, I think it's time out that we just let these people say and do whatever they want in these spaces. We are here. We've been here mm-hmm. and there's no excuse for it anymore. Really? Well, so I have worked in the hospitality industry for many years, probably longer than you've been alive. And, um, <laughs> I just know that at least like, for example, in restaurants, you have certain clientele and you accept their crap and you take it with a smile because they come more regularly than people who are having a special occasion have saved up their money for that special occasion. This is your core clientele hmm. and they, they pay well 
and they're part of your income and they're part of the restaurant's you know financial inc- financial well-being and so you have to accept some old-fashioned behavior because they are like the establishment so to speak you know in mm. fine dining and i also like i said like i've tried to navigate this music career of my own and gone to events where it was like a donor only event or Mm. subscriber only event and like you know the more you get exclusive the more usually white the audience becomes and i've been some things have been so explicitly racist to me have been said directly to my face Mm. and you just kind of like okay well you know i won this this scholarship i won this prize so i'm just going to take the money that you obviously gave to this organization so i can you know whatever have this opportunity or this experience and you just smile you know Mm. and like i don't know what if you were singing in a competition and one of the panelists or one of the you know donors um said something like whatever something that was offensive to you would you call that person out i I think i would i honestly i'm I'm being honest i think i would have to Mm -hmm. i think the state that we're in right now is we're recognizing and we've we we see it in you know we'll probably talk a little bit later about the seasons we see it in the seasons opera is now trying to move in a different direction Mm -hmm. and if we want to continue to progress these are the issues that we cannot keep silent about mm-hmm. anymore. Truly, I mean, yes, you're right. These racist and, you know, old patrons are the the base and are the establishment. But we keep hearing from organizations that we want to change the audience. We want to do something new. We want to bring well, in new to, people. They have to they won't survive. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. the only way to do that is to make people feel like they can come and be welcome. So if you are happy to to invite people who are not not accepting who are racist who you know don't want to be you know inviting and welcoming then we as the younger audience don't see a place for us and we don't want to come to your establishment do you think that there's something opera companies could do uh because obviously you know you don't want to necessarily deny someone a ticket because they might be a little bit Mm-hmm. You think they might be racially insensitive. What's something that opera companies could do to be more welcoming uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't involve banning racist patrons? That's great as that Did you vote be. for Trump? You know? uh, <laughs> oh, God. You know, it's, I, I, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I have the answers. Okay, I do well, have uh, something that I think is helpful, and this is just all across the board in, in institutions. What we need is for the right people to be in the room. I think it starts there. Agreed. I mean, if you've got the right people that you're consulting, whether it be on your marketing team, whether it be on your development staff, whether it be on the artistic or production, you need to have the right people who are helping you make the decisions. Mm. If you are a group of homogenous white male people trying to make decisions that are progressive that are thinking forward that are not unified you know that you you need to draw from a different pool of people to get these opinions to get the younger ideas 100% I you know? absolutely agree with you and yeah. I do think that the pipelines have not been established to allow uh, different voices to right. come into the administration and to marketing and to development mm-hmm. all those things and so yes that's 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 a area we can fix and we can address right um as far as dealing with patrons, hmm. you know, my attitude is just to laugh at them. <laughs> um, really, it's just to laugh at them. And like when I'm on the when I'm on the stage, is to be excellent. Hmm. And we have seen, you know, artists who are people of color, really transcend racism because of how excellent their hmm. art 
making was, you know, mm-hmm. or continues to be, you know, and it's, it shouldn't be on us to be better than everybody else. I mean, cause we see a lot of mediocre white people on stage all the Ooh. time. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you said it. Yeah. Um, but I, just to get back to what can opera companies do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Lyric Opera Chicago did something great, um, earlier this year, which was to have uh, Larry Brownlee, um, invite some of his, colleagues to do a very intimate we talked about this a very intimate concert oh, yes, mm-hmm. yes, in yes. the uh, lobby of lyric opera right and they did a program that you know hit many corners of the repertoire and then ended with music that was very uh, associated with i would say african-american spirituality which was fine for me it wasn't necessarily something that i wanted to come in here but i was glad that i experienced all of their artistry that they had to offer and so that made it more easy for certain audiences to be comfortable and also doing it in the lobby uh i think made it a more in, more intimate event and also the the direct plea from larry brownlee to say look we are working here come support us you know show up so that opera companies know that you want to see us on these stages and while you're here go in the auditorium you know look inside and see what it's like you know it's not so it's not so bad in there it's actually a really beautiful space and you should sit in one of those seats and you know see all the artistry that comes not just from the people singing but from you know, the set designers and the lighting mm-hmm. technicians and et cetera, you know, and really talk about how it's a collaborative effort. And um, I thought it was brilliant. And I would love to see more events like that that really do welcome new audiences. Uh, earlier, Larab, you mentioned um, uh, avoid the importance of avoiding tokenism. Uh, and that that's something that I, I often uh, feel like when a company has uh, maybe not not like that event specifically, but I've definitely seen events like that where someone will come up and it, it, it's, you know, it's like for Black History Month mm-hmm. uh, or uh, or or they'll like really over advertise their one uh, right. black singer. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. wh- and all the posters. How <laughs> can we tell the difference between tokenism and legitimate diversity? And how can we encourage the genuine diversity hmm. uh, rather than the tokenism? Again, I'll probably say this at least five more times. It really, <laughs> it really boils down to who's making that decision. Right. You know, I mean, like you, just like you said, if we're only seeing that you're programming your black singers during Black History Month or as the show-stopping, you know, musician or aria at the end of the concert, then we know that this is not an appreciation. This is just kind of a manipulation, if you will, of that artist and of this music's worth. Mm. Um, we need to start, why not, we don't have to wait to Black History Month to celebrate black performers. Just as we did, you know, Lyric Opera did with the Larry Brownlee event, we saw that it was important for the community to just gather and celebrate great music sung by great performers who happened to be black, right? who were performing on the stage. And Solomon Howard, who happens to be gorgeous. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and so we don't have to always, you know, make we can invite the community and and let the community feel like this is a performance for them without making a big old statement that, hey, we've got black people here. You know, (laughs) it's 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 inappropriate, if you will, especially in this day and age, because and I've said this before, we've been here. 
since since you know there's paul robeson there's marion anderson we've been here for decades it's this is not new we have always been great at singing we've always been great at performing and you know there that's just the standard so to continue to tokenize these performers and the music of black people is just it's lazy (laughs) well a a link to uh brandon keith brown's article will be on our website and i encourage all of you to read it and to share it and to continue the discussion Mm -hmm. all right we got to move on it's that time of year again that's right it's season announcement season that's next my favorite season (laughs) (laughs) that's up next on america's talk radio show about opera on wnur 89.3 fm and hd1 evanston chicago live from chicago you're listening to opera box score more right after this Support for Opera Box Score is provided in part by Encoda. Endorsed by Sir Simon Rattle and Joyce D. Donato, Encoda is like a Spotify of scores. It's like, the, it's like the Netflix for new music. It's like the Hulu of notes. <laughs> Okay. Encoda is a beautiful app for streaming the world's largest digital library of sheet music on subscription. They got your novellos. They uh, got your recordings. Oh, they got yeah. your Baron Do They got your Calmuses, though. Do you want to have Calmus at your fingertips? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's cleared up by now. Encoda has aggregated a hundred catalogs from your favorite publishers. Mm. That's thousands of titles, millions of pages of music at your fingertips. Hopefully, you don't get a paper cut, but you won't because it's digital. Yeah, you'll yeah, you'll a get a million little paper cuts. You'll get a you tablet know? cut. <laughs> Practice, play, and perform off your phone, laptop, tablet, even your phablet. Wait, wait, what's a f- Okay, That's your uh, phone tablet. You know those really big phones that only basketball players can hold? You know? Basically, you can play it on your smart toilet. Yes. The Encoda app makes editing and sharing sheet music stress-free and easy. Search content, browse curated playlists, and discover new music by using unique smart technology. That's actually a really good idea. Like, what if you can have music on your refrigerator, those smart refrigerators? Like, so, like, as you're, like, and they're like trying to decide what to do. You could be practicing. Where know? is my milk? <laughs> this isn't for you, Oliver, because you don't do smart. Oh. <laughs> Wherever oh, you are, oh, utilize yeah. all of Encoda's features and keep your entire library of scores in one place. Download Encoda from your app store today for free trial. That's N-K-O-D-A. And you could also go to encoda.com to learn more. Opera class. Sports radio crass. This is Opera Box Score. It's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the Austin, year. Austin, does anybody watch Schitt's Creek in this room besides me? Oh, I I've seen a few episodes, okay. but I, I, I'm still trying to There's, find the time to watch it. There is such a great Moira Rose line where uh, her daughter asks her what her favorite season is and Moira Rose says, <laughs> okay. awards award season. season. <laughs> <laughs> but season announcement season is one of my favorite seasons for uh, sure. Yes. So, so it's the uh, the season announcement, uh, the, the big ones, obviously there are more than, than yeah. just these two, but the big ones that both kind of popped out in the same week, we've got the Metropolitan Opera in New York City and of course the Lyric uh, Opera here in Chicago. And since uh, we are in Chicago right now. I figured we'd probably start with the hometown team. Well, I just want our audience to know that we have not forgotten about the Doug Dotson diversity scale. (laughs) And when there's a slower news week, (laughs) maybe we'll uh, give scores to some of these season announcements. But uh, yeah, like Weston said, Lyric and Met coming out basically in the same week. It's very exciting. And so we want to kind of unpack some of that in the next 15 minutes or so. 
So uh, Lyric Opera begins uh, this year with Cav Pag, which is in and of itself is not that exciting. Um, and but, then things take a hard left yes, turn. Yes, <laughs> but I will say about Cav Pag <laughs> that Russell Thomas is mm-hmm. singing Canio in Pagliacci, and he is incredible, and he also has to do with this uh, you know, black singers in America issue. Oh, yeah. And he wrote that wonderful letter that we basically read verbatim a couple months ago. Mm. Uh, so we love Russell Thomas and Ambrogio Maestri is singing, um, in, I think he's singing Alfio in Cavalier yes. Rusticana. Antonio, yeah. And wow, what an amazing actor this guy is. I mean, he's a Italian baritone. Uh, he, I mean, there are many great singers singing mm-hmm. that repertoire right now. But what he has over everybody else is amazing, amazing stage presence. Uh, such uh, an engaging uh, singing actor. And so I'm excited to see him in a non-comic role because the only thing I've ever seen him in uh, has been Falstaff. Falstaff, yeah. Uh, then, as Wesson says... <laughs> the left turn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one uh, on the list, uh, and well, I, I should say, kind of, if you back up and kind of look at this season as a whole... This is a really remarkable season for the Lyric. And we'll, we'll discuss that in, I think, greater detail once we kind of get through the list. Um, but you kind of get a sense of what I mean, because uh, the next one we're seeing is Lessons in Love and Violence, which is by uh, Martin Cripp and George Benjamin. Uh, Cripp was the uh, uh, librettist and uh, uh, Benjamin is the composer, um, which is not only a brand new opera, uh, it's got a, it's got you know a, a, a queer storyline, um, and it's it's got uh, it, it, it's a fantastic piece. This is the North American premiere. It came out, I believe, uh, maybe two years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the recording came out earlier last it's year. The English National Opera, the uh, Eno, yes, you know, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and it's a it's it's a really fantastic piece, and one if it had been the only new piece of the season, I would have been just you know uh, thrilled to death. Um, but it is not. Uh, I'm going to kind of jump down uh, a little bit here and point out that not only do we have that, we also have Proving Up, mm-hmm. which is a new piece by Missy Mazzoli and a friend of the show, Royce Vabrick. We had a call on a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is uh, uh, so another opera written within the past, you know, uh, I think both of these are within, what, five years, three, five years, um, and uh, written by a woman also a big deal for the lyric uh and uh missy mazzoli is just one of the most exciting you know n- relatively young composers out there today so that's two 21st century operas on a lyric chicago opera season yeah. and i'm just my head is exploding already well let's just note that proving up is not on the main stage of lyric opera they're actually that's fair. That's fair. presenting that at the shakespeare theater which actually is an incredible venue and maybe even a better venue for this type of show i i would agree because uh, mazzoli's uh, uh her ensembles tend to be smaller yeah. more yeah. electronically based and we have to shout out to james dara who is going to be directing that show who is also a friend of the show. We interviewed him uh, at Opera o-, o Festival earlier this season in Philadelphia. What else do we have? We've got... Uh, then Sandra Rodvanovsky sings Tosca. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, we'll go yes. to that. Matt's no very excited about that. <laughs> um, they are starting, or they're continuing a Verdi, early Verdi, early Verdi series. Verdi. So this year they did Louisa Miller, and next year they will be doing Attila. Which is, uh, a, I think, a very interesting uh, early Verdi piece. It's one of the first early Verdi operas I ever saw. Well, it's it's a showcase for um, a bass and a dramatic coloratura soprano, mm-hmm. and this I will feature Tamara Wilson singing 
Odebella. Friend of the show. God yes, bless. friend of the show, Tamara Wilson. <laughs> we love that woman. Um, she is terrific. Oh. So then another great another great news, Unsun Kim is coming to conduct an opera, and apparently they engaged her before the announcement that she would be the music director of San Francisco Opera. And uh Clearly, before we asked her to be a guest in the show, <laughs> which still hasn't happened, but we're holding out. Uh, so, Ansan Kim will be uh, conducting Elixir of Love, starring Rosa Feola, who is beautiful, <laughs> and friend of the show, Matthew Polanzani. We also have uh, Samson and Delilah uh, coming up. That's uh, Saint Sans, of course. And uh, is that going to be Janae? Uh, no. No, no, it's not. Janae oh, she's is, doing... is, I believe, doing the other the other one I'm excited about, uh, Rake's Progress, uh, which is the Stravinsky piece, and the to date the most convincing argument for neoclassic neoclassicism as a style that I've ever come across. And that's just things I think about. But that's a twentieth century work next to two twenty first century works yeah. in the same season. Don't forget about your twentieth century. And that has uh, Janai Brugger as Andrew Love, which is yeah. right. super exciting. Right, 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 right. I cannot think of a better person to sing that role right now. I'm trying to see who's in the cast for Samson Delilah. Um, Who knows? That's Sam- important. Samson's oh, Clementine Margan. Oh, there. duh. <laughs> Clementine, uh, who's the French mezzo who specializes in Carmen and now this. So. And Brandon Jovanovich, who yes. is also great. And Quinn Kelsey. I think the, uh, the the thing that's most exciting about this season is not necessarily any of the individual pieces, although there are certainly a lot that I'm very enthusiastic about, um, but it, it, it almost feels like the lyric has been listening to our show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they, they hit a lot of good points, you know? I, I mean, just the, the fact that we have uh, two brand new operas, one written by a woman, and then the 20th century piece as well, uh, I think even four or five seasons ago, the, I, I think the the thought would have been one of those is enough right. yeah. for this season. Right. Uh, that that is the line we're going to cross. I am just seeing that line of what is acceptable, what's a hit, just getting more and more uh, diverse, more mm-hmm. and more uh, new, more and more relevant. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm just so excited about that. And why don't you cue up uh, Sandra singing Tosca, yeah. and, and we'll close the lyric. Uh, announcement by saying that it is Andrew Davis's last season as uh, music yes. director. He'll be doing Beethoven's Ninth Symphony as a celebration concert, and that concert will begin with a a cappella choral piece written by his son, Ed Fraser Davis. And there will also be Christine Gerke and Malcolm Martineau in recital as a bonus event. And I think Renee Fleming is doing like a bonus event at the beginning of the season as well. But isn't she always doing some kind of bonus event there? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, beautiful. And now on to the next season announcement. This is the big one, folks. We're talking about the Metropolitan Opera season announcement, which came out uh, with, within, what, like two days of uh, the lyric? Yes. Um, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's also a doozy. I think it's a little bit less uh, of a shock. It's less system. adventurous than lyrics, and, you, and that's really the truth. But they have five new productions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A brand new Aida to be mounted for Anna Netrebko as I- Aida. 
and probably Anita Rashvili is they're thinking that as one of the headlining artists by now she is and surprise to me Pyotr Bachawa is going to be singing Radames and I'm all for oh, him interesting. I'm all for him singing new roles I'm not sure if I want to hear him sing Radames just yet but hmm. um all right I, I hope I think he could nail it I think oh, that'd I think, be great I think he'd be great we'll at see it. what happens yeah. <laughs> well, we'll I don't want him to go in that direction yet like let him be <laughs> let like him be baby tenor <laughs> let him be a lyrical spinto for a while before he goes to full-on spinto you know like he just finished being a lyric tenor like yesterday so <laughs> um, we've also uh, one sort of uh, highlight I'd like to point out oh, uh, are you talking about the new productions uh, no, no, no. Okay, not. let's finish that. New production, uh, Prokofiev Opera, The Fire Angel. Love that mm-hmm. opera. Uh, a New Magic Flute uh, by Simon McBurney. I don't know who that is. And <laughs> Evil Von Hova gets two new productions, Don yeah. Giovanni and Dead Man Dead Walking. Man. That'll be interesting. I, 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 I'm interested to see the uh, Von Hova's take on both He's of the those. guy that's doing the West Side Story on Broadway now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah Controversial. So. <laughs> pretty big year for him. So. Yes. Um, I, I would like to point out uh, um, just kind of a, a highlight. Um, uh, well, Billy Budd, obviously a very exciting opera. Benjamin Britten. It's one of the revivals stuff. of the season, yes. Uh, but the main reason I want to talk about it a little bit is because friend of the show, Lucia Lucas, is going to be uh, uh, um, uh in the production, she is making her Met debut. Uh, mm. If you recall, she was the first uh, openly transgender singer in the U.S. to get a leading role in the Tulsa Opera production of uh, Don Giovanni. Uh, what was it? Uh, was it last year or was it? No, it was, it was last season. Yeah. Oh so. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, we wish wish her all the best. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to see that level of representation coming forward. Uh, even though she's not in uh, a starring role, Bozen. Uh, there's, there's some good music. There, there's some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, she, I think she's got some of the first words in the opera, uh, as I recall. It's been a while since I've listened to Billy Budd all the way through. Love that show. Other revivals. So we talked about new productions. Some revivals mm-hmm. uh, that are exciting to me: Tales of Hoffman, uh, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is being, I think, specifically revived for Matthew Polanzani. Um, and maybe if we have time, we'll listen to a little bit of clip of Polanzani singing Hoffman. They're bringing back the Donizetti Roberto Devereux, uh, which they did for Sandra Rodwinowski a couple uh, yes. years ago. And now they're giving Angela Mee the chance to sing that role. Mm. Um, another great, you know, bel canto specialist. Christine Gerke is making her role debut as Isolde. Or is that a role debut there? I, I doubt it. I, okay. I also doubt it. Okay. I, well, anyway, she's singing it for the yeah. first time. She's going to nail it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, Janae is going to sing Carmen. Janae Bridges is going to sing Carmen, which is great. Uh, Lisa Davidson, the singer who basically we knew about as of like a couple months ago, Mm. already is getting a starring role uh, at the Met. I mean, she sang Lisa in Queen of Spades there this season, but to be getting the title role of an opera after just really being discovered. Have you you heard her yet, though? I've heard her recording, and I guess... Maybe the recording doesn't capture the excitement that her singing does on stage. She's so. she's she's got she's she has a voice of like you know, uh, like a, a a middle of the century sort of uh, you know Wagnerian diva. I'm, yeah, I'm it's old fashioned, so old fashionedly dramatic. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Wagnerian. I love how, it. I love so, it. So yeah, I I've never heard her live. I'd be curious. Uh, this is interesting to me. Uh, Julius Caesar, I think conducted by Harry Bickett, starring Yesen Davies. And I did not know that Justin Davies was moving into big rep like that. I mean, I always think of him as sort of like the, I don't know, not the big, big, big role like Julius Caesar. Probably the the biggest uh, 
you know, castrato roll that Handel ever wrote. Mm-hmm. That that's in the standard repertoire. So you I think you can handle it. I think he'll be fine. But it's just like <laughs> we Le talk, got it. When we talked it. about um, <laughs> when we talked about um, singing in big houses last year when he was our guest. Uh, he did a hint at that, and I, I think he was, you know, hiding his cards from us. But um, that seems like something he could have mentioned to us. <laughs> give us. Um, call him back and give him a piece of our. So mind. I have never seen Frautwin Schatten. I oh wow! Love this. I think opera. Harry Rose, formerly known as the Opera Teen, I think that's his favorite opera, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Maybe it isn't, but I, I remember I know he likes it a lot, and so I would try to go see Frau Neshaden, uh because Elsa Van den Heber is the oh my goodness I would wife, call so. it uh, Strauss's most underrated opera, absolutely, and it might be my fa- favorite Strauss opera. Period. It is. It is. Oh, I'm so excited the Mets doing this. I one. mean, can we just take one second to just acknowledge Elsa and Nina Stimme yeah. on the, In the same, same cast? I mean, we they we had them here at Lyric. Um, they did Electra. Right, right. I mean, it was nuts. So I can imagine that this is also going to be crazy. It's, really and I believe forward. the it's a it's a Barry Kosky production. Mm-hmm. I want to say, uh, and he's uh, he's the one who did. Uh, let me just that magic that. flute. Yeah, yeah, that that magic flute that everyone knows and loves. Uh, and uh, it is it is such a, a a really neat piece, and I'm really excited. I think my top two are probably Fiery Angel and Frown of Shotten mm-hmm. for this. Season. So one more revival we'll talk about is E Pirata which is for a more advanced bel canto diva. And Diana Damrau is going to be singing that role, which I also feel like is a step up in Fach for a singer like her who used to sing, yeah. you know, like Queen of the Night and mm-hmm. um, the Countess in Viaggio a Rems, you know, like I'm sure she's going to be great, but I, it's like a little bit shocking to me that she's already moving into that type of repertoire, which is associated with singers like Caballé and Kalas, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's take a little musical break and we'll talk about the HD season, but can we listen to Polanzani sing Hoffman? Let's do it. Yeah, this is a great little piece. Uh, which part of, uh, of Hoffman this is, is this? Uh, from the Giulietta act. This is the short aria, Au Dieu de Calivrasse. Matthew Polizzani singing from uh, Tales of Hoffman there. So that was a little hat tip to Aria Code, uh, one of their recent episodes. We did steal directly from yes. Aria Code. <laughs> one of their recent episodes features uh, Matthew Polizzani breaking down that Aria, and it is one of their best episodes. I mean, I generally like everything that Rhiannon does, but that was, that actually, I was at the gym listening to that, and it stopped me dead in my tracks because I almost started crying after hearing Matthew Polenzani describe what it's like to sing that aria. So uh, good on you, Rian and Giddens. Um, so that was going to be, uh, that was an acknowledging that Matthew Polenzani is singing Hoffman at the Met. 
Uh, but also interesting news is the HD broadcast lineup for next year. Yes, uh, it's a, it's kind of a. It, I think the the HD lineup is. I don't want to say disappointing because I don't think it's it, safe. It, yeah. it feels mostly safe, yeah. except for a couple of exceptions. So we get the Aida featuring yeah. Anna Trapko, I'm sure. Uh, uh, I, I think the, uh, I will say that normally I would not be interested in uh, an Aida live in HD, but I think the I, the fact that they're replacing the the Aida at the Met yeah. for right. decades. It's just a little weird that we had Aida from the Met like last year or two yeah. years ago, and yeah, it, it was an, in HD with Anna Netrebko and Anita Ratchelishvili. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, we're going to scrap that one? I don't know. what you know, that That's supposed to be like documenting whatever time in history, and it was just a couple years ago. So anyway, Trovatore is part of the HD lineup. Fidelia sure. with Lisa Davidson, so oh, we'll get well, to hear that's, that. That's for uh, the the two hundred fiftieth birthday, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Magic Flute, the new production, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, which would give a chance for Nadine Sierra to be on an HD show. Isn't this mm-hmm. like the fourth time they've done Romeo and Juliet uh, on live in HD? Probably. Um, mm-hmm. Don Giovanni, the new Eva Van Hova. Dead Man Walking. That'll be fun. That'll be great. That'll yeah. be the first uh, Dead Man Walking, I think, at the Met. Frau in a Schatten, which is fantastic. Very Nabucco, and I think the Trepko is singing Abigail in that. And the Il Pirata, so Diana Damrau will have a chance to be in HD. And some interesting data, um, since they started uh, doing the Sunday matinees, it has become one of the most popular uh, showtimes uh, of their season. There will be 22 matinees next season. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. It's Sunday matinees next season. And something interesting as well is that I think for the second year in a row, they will be going dark in February, which gives a chance for the chorus to learn all the music for the second <laughs> half. And it's just, I mean, like the schedule there is grueling. I mean, if yeah. you like the season starts, I think in September and they go hard and then they add the b- radio broadcast in December and they already do have some issues. And, broadcast and they're not and just taking out February. They're also extending the season into like. Right. June, so nobody so. loses any work. Right. right. But they just give people some of their break in the middle of the year as opposed to all Give them Valentine's the Day off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's not great for people who travel to New York uh, in February, but maybe smaller do opera that? companies will <laughs> will take the hint. Kind of rough, wouldn't it? And will try to pr- program their stuff in February to get the attention. Maybe New York City Opera can come back alive again <laughs> oh, and for February's. I hope. I hope. Um, I wish. LaRob, was there anything in the Met season that caught your fancy? Uh, I'm really excited for Die Frau. Yeah. I really, I really, I'm it's really excited all about for that. Frau. I, I'm also really excited that Janae gets to sing Carmen at the mm-hmm. Met. God bless. We love you, Janae. Um, so she sang Carmen at Lyric, not the role, an aria mm-hmm. with piano as a kind of a feature during one of those um audition shows mm. they do like the Ryan Opera Center yeah. audition final thing and she just came out she sang like Monker and uh, the Habanera mm. and it was the most Carmen I've seen oh, yeah. in a long time like oh, I thought yeah. oh my god it's, and it's, it seems like she's got this role under her belt I mean she just yeah. did it in what San Francisco I think she did it I mean I'm, I'm excited to see that it's yes. time to take it to the mat oh yeah yeah the world needs to see her do that What does a resident opera scholar do? Only Seattle Opera knows, but soon you will too. That's next, only on Opera Box Score, WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1, Evanston, Chicago. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. 
listed, this is great, listed as must-listen podcast for opera by Playbill. Week after week, Opera Box Score is talking to opera's most important players, aggregating all the news in the week and amplifying the best work in a crowded field. If you're new to the show, look back in our, archi- in our archives and hear interviews with the likes of artistic director of Opera Humboldt's Opal Alright, ready? If you're new to the show, Look back in our archives to hear interviews with the likes of artistic director of Opera Omaha's One Festival, James Dara, Grammy-winning conductor, Michael Christie, and Baroque diva, Emuka Barat. It's way more exciting than watching the Bears-Packers game the other day. It is. That defined a new level of mediocrity for our Chicago All I, Bears. It was as soon as the Bears had a chance. It was how can Mitch Trubisky screw this up. Also, this banter, I can't read. This is how the show really goes. Impress the date you take to the opera by listening to our OBS Hall of Fame segments where we take a deep dive into the works and artists that you need to know. Toby, didn't you induct yourself into the Hall of Fame I once? did, and you need to know that. And if you don't have time to keep up with all the news from Opaland, jump right to the two-minute drill. Our team's hot takes on the week's opera headlines, including who's getting fired and hired in the fast-paced world of opera. Fast-paced world of opera. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Access the complete archives by adding Opera Box Score to your podcast favorites or just stream it from the Opera Box Score page on SoundCloud. This just in the two-minute drill. All right, listen up. Here's everything you need to know about what happened in Opera Land over the past week, and I mean everything this week. Uh, it's season announcement time. As you know, Canadian Opera Company, a company which should definitely engage some American opera podcasters to amplify their PR efforts, announced their 2021 season last week, which will offer Parsifal, Figaro, Carmen, Traviata, uh, Gluck's Orfeo, and of interest to our listen- listeners, Katya Kabanova, starring Amanda Majeski. You may remember Karim Suleiman's rave over Majeski in that particular role. In other Canadian Opera Company news, maestro Stephen Lord, who resigned from Michigan Opera Theatre and Opera Theatre of St. Louis over allegations of sexual harassment, has been engaged to conduct the company's production of Traviata. Here is their defense of Lord. Uh, quote, upon learning of the allegations against Mr. Lord in June of 2019, the company immediately carried out a detailed review of his engagements with, with the COC dating back to 1986. No complaints or records of misconduct were found in our files. Washington National Opera's 2021 season will include Janine Tesori and Taswell Thompson's Blue, Porgy and Bess, Janae Bridges as Delilah, and a concert by Will Liverman as the recipient of the 2020 Marian Anderson Vocal Award. Amanda, uh, Anna Netrebko has been named the 2020 Polar Music Prize recipient, which is given to one classical musician and one non-classical musician every year. And speaking of Anna, The Observer has stirring the pot with a new article criticizing The Sopranos' announced appearance next season as Aida at the Met, despite her controversial comments on skin darkening for the role last year. Link to that article will be on our website. Pacific Opera Project is responding to criticism about their now-aborted plan to stage Cosi Fantute in the pro-slavery South. In a Facebook post earlier today, the company says, quote, Pacific Opera Project has elected to change the setting of our March production of Cosi Fantute. We recognize that some view a Gone with the Wind setting as offensive, and we apologize for that offense. 
And speaking of the power of the protest, an update to one of last week's items, Radio New Zealand has withdrawn its proposal to restructure its classical channel RNZ concert. Backpedaling on the network's initial, pl- initial plan, Chief Executive Paul Thompson said, quote, We think it's really affirming that the government has endorsed our strategy, which is that RNZ needs to become more relevant to younger people and that a new music service is a great way of doing that, whilst at the same time reaffirming that RNZ concert has got a very passionate set of listeners and supporters, and there's a future for that brand, as well as on FM. A series of articles from the Idaho Statesman detailing local history recently featured the story of an opera house built on the upper floor of a hardware store. Uh, That was built in 1889. Naomi Andre is Seattle Opera's inaugural opera scholar-in-residence, a role created specifically for her. As a Verdi specialist, Andre's experiences as a black woman have also informed her approach towards understanding the art form. Quote, I like to ask questions beyond the historical context. The text can tell you one thing and the music another. Opera is an appropriate forum for tough topics. That's from Naomi Andre there. Three pairs of protégés and mentors selected for Opera America's mentorship program for women is now in its third year. Among the members for the 2020 fellowship are friend of the show, Ashley Magnus, general director of Chicago Opera Theater. She can definitely counsel her protégé on how to suffer a podcast interview by an all-male panel. Uh, that was us. Javier Camarena is continuing his streak after encoring every performance of La Fuire du Regiment at the Metropolitan Opera and Royal Opera last year. Camarena repeated the aria A Mes Amis following a standing ovation at a performance in Bella Artes, Mex- Artes Mexico, marking his first on- uh, encore in his home country. All the toys to the cast, crew, and creative team behind Pittsburgh Opera's The Last American Hammer, the satirical opera by Peter Hilliard and friend of the show Matt Borezi, opens on Saturday and runs through March 1st. Exit stage left, Swedish soprano Margareta Hallen has died at the age of 88. After retiring from the stage in the 1980s, she began composing, writing art songs based on poets such as Niels, uh, Niels Ferlin and Harry Martinson, and various works for the stage based on works by August Strindberg. Italian baritone Franco Bordoni passed away on February 13th at the age of 88. The Verdi baritone with a confident top register was neglected by the recording industry, but can be heard on a number of pirated recordings alongside the major colleagues of his time from Franco Corelli to Montserrat Caballier. Dutch composer, pianist, and conductor Reinbert de Luve died last week in Amsterdam at the age of 81. He was known for conducting various productions with Dutch National Opera and was the guest artistic director of the Aldberg Festival. Frederick Koch, the older brother of the infamous Koch brothers, has also died at the age of 86. Uh, Frederick rarely spoke with his brothers, except in court, and preferred to remain out of politics, contributing to the arts and historical preservations on his own. His entire estate will be used to establish a foundation to promote the study of literature, history, and the arts. And on this day, February 17th, we celebrate the birthday anniversaries of American composer Lee Hoiby, born in 1926, Australian soprano Marjorie Lawrence, born in 1909, and Italian baritone Antonio Mangini Coletti, who was born in 1855. February 17th also marks the premiere of Hans Werner Henze's opera Boulevard Solitude in Hanover in 1952, Puccini's Madame Butterfly at the La Scala in 1904, Verdi's Un Bello in Mascara in Rome in 1859, and Handel's opera Siroe in 1728 in London. And that whew, was your two minute drill. Very poor, very poor, very poor. 
Oh boy, Oliver, that was so many words to read. <laughs> yes, we didn't need all of those stories, I guess, but we did have to include whenever there's a friend of the show. So that's why there's probably two or three extra that's stories. Right. We, have so many, we have too many friends of the show. <laughs> yes. But they need, the, I mean, that's how we make this podcast keep going. Like, that's we true. keep inviting people on and we promote their stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's how we get more guests and that's how we get more free tickets to stuff. So. That's how we got LaRob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, Ashley Magnus, just to be clear, she is a mentor. Yes, in that yes, program. Yes. She's not a protege. She is a mentor yes. in the program. So mm-hmm. she is protegeing. Yes. But not being protegeed upon. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um so other friend of the show, Matt Barese, congratulations to him and his composer partner Peter Hilliard on the Pittsburgh Opera. Pittsburgh Opera actually also announced her season today. And it happened while I was at the gym, so I didn't have a chance to add it to today's rundown. So you get to read about that. So you have to wait, a, wait a week because of yes. Oliver's workout. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so Canadian Opera Company, ouch. I mean, I'm really an advocate for what they're doing over there. I love Canada. But Stephen Lord and, you know, that was not really the smartest decision. Um, no. And yes, they're trying to like, what did they say? Like, They've reached out to external organizations and other individuals who've worked with Mr. Lord in order to learn if complaints are legitimate and their inquiries have yielded no results. And having completed a fair and due process, one that included much careful and thorough review of the information available to us, Mr. Lord will conduct La Traviata in 2021. All right. right. That's the same. You do you. They're going for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think the the biggest story that jumped out at me uh, this week um, is probably the story about the uh, opera scholar in residence, which is such an interesting Mm -hmm. position to me as a history nerd, as an uh, opera nerd, believe it or not. uh, (laughs) um, uh, And I think having some a position like this um, is a really fascinating way, not just to make sure that uh, you're giving due diligence to the history of a work, but also contextualizing. One of the things that she does is do, she does talks to people. She actually, they actually sold out for the first time a talk that she was leading. Um, uh, and she, she touches on topics of race, of gender, of history, of, of uh, uh, beyond not just historical context, but w- what the opera can mean in the 21st century. And I think that's a fascinating thing uh, uh, to have have someone on your payroll right. in a position like that made for her mm-hmm. and I would love to see that adopted by more companies. Oh absolutely. I, I totally agree. It goes back to my comments again about having somebody in the room. This opera company has decided you know what we need somebody in the room. We're going to create this position. And like you said I want to see more opera companies doing something like this. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder- th- Oh. I, I wonder what you'd have to say about Anna Netrepko singing Aida, but go ahead and finish what you're about to say. <laughs> you know, I actually was just going to mention that in, in that I'm curious what Latanya Moore has to say about it. I'd love to get her opinion. She's doing that role aside, um, Anna Netrepko. Mm. And just uh, with all the controversy, I really, really would love to have a conversation between the two of them. Well, I'm hoping that the Met will not put dark makeup on Anna Netrebko. Well, I'm hoping that Anna Netrebko doesn't put dark makeup yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't think the Met's going to do it, but knowing Anna, oh yeah. boy. It's just interesting that, um, you know, she's basically canceled uh, in the gay community and Yikes. in the singer community, <laughs> but there's enough people that support her and that the Met still sees the dollar signs and they want to mm, put right. her on everything. So, right. Um, yeah, she's great. But it's interesting that the Observer, which employs James Jordan, 
has this article about this controversy, which came out literally minutes after the Met <laughs> announced their season. And it was not written by James Jordan. It was written by Helen Holmes. I wonder if Helen Holmes is a pseudonym or a pen name of James Jordan. Oh, Ooh, <laughs> conspiracy theories. But um, <laughs> so speaking of cancel culture, um, the Pacific Opera com- Project, is that what they're called? Mm-hmm. Pacific Opera Project. Yes. Um, you're not exactly uh, the first opera company that comes to mind when you think about opera companies, but uh, they're in the news now because they were going to stage um, Cosi Fantute in the Slavery South. Mm. And enough the people gone with the wind inspired enough people were up in arms about it that they listened and they're changing. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly your point, Rob. Like if there was somebody of color probably on on the team, you know, in the planning stages, they'd be like, you know what, maybe that's not such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's also that pop or Pacific Opera Project, they are also a smaller company. They're nimble right. enough to make these changes yeah. and make do these wild things mm-hmm. while still making very, you know, strong statements. Mm-hmm. And then they get the feedback from their audience and they can take that and they can make the change. You know, we, we see with larger organizations that it's a much slower, slower progress. That's not yeah. excusing them, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that there's a difference between smaller, yeah. smaller opera companies than these large institutions. Well, they did the right thing and they, they came out and said, OK, we were wrong. Yeah. And like we heard your feedback and we're going to change this. So Absolutely. good on them for on at least them. acknowledging that that is offensive to people. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you just kind of wish they had figured that out before they <laughs> yeah, <right>. started <laughs> doing all that. Yeah. Uh, Camarena and his encores i feel like he just just like you know they should just sell, start selling uh, two tickets so you can see <laughs> the entire opera twice i i feel like every time i've every time he comes up on opera box score it's always like oh he did another encore i'm like great that's his that's his thing he's mm-hmm. the encore man well oh, i yeah. mean that's good for his uh publicist his brand. Uh, to get all those yeah <laughs> and now uh, the pressure is on him to deliver like if you go see a show because like let's just admit it like he still is not a top build artist the way like Jamie Barton or mm-hmm. uh, Sandra Ronofsky or Anna Tropico is, you know, like he's still it's like, who is that again? You know, so they're they're trying to attach this phenomenon to his particular brand of singing. And now he's really got to deliver. Like oh, yeah. when <laughs> whenever he's engaged to sing a bel canto <laughs> thing, it's like you better ha- give us an encore or sing it well enough that we ask for one, you know, no oh, late goodness. night pizza. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that the secret to uh, all the high seas? Yes, no pizza, no pizza. <laughs> no pizza. <laughs> I also want to give a quick shout out to the WNO uh, season here. Uh, before yes. we go, uh, a very uh, 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 African American sort of uh, heavy season in terms of theme and. and well, they're in DC. They have got to know their audience. So it's like it's right. it's like a duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's one of the it's one of those, and I, I think that. I really do think that Blue is kind of sweeping the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's coming to the Lyric uh, later this season. Uh, and I, I, th- I think it's going to be one of those operas that we'll be looking back to uh, as a kind of defining opera mm-hmm. of this sort of, you know, I would say 20s, but it was first performed in, you know, the teens. But right. uh, of this era, I think it's going to be one of those ones that people look back on and say, this is, was an important opera that led to, hopefully, will lead to a lot Ho- more. Hopefully, I agree. I think Blue is a phenomenal piece. I'm excited that Lyric is doing it. I mean, it's a story about a family, and that's that's just, that's it, you know? And I think that people will really, really connect with that. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm also really proud that WNO is doing it. They've also got Janae, again, as uh, Dalila, and Will. God, these great singers. Um, WNO is really, Will Liverman really... actually has a relationship to Chicago. He did mm-hmm. the... Ryan Opera Center yeah. here, 
and he has proven to be one of the most reliable singers to come mm -hmm. out of that program like he's getting cast everywhere everywhere and everybody loves him he's an audience favorite he always brings the goods and he's great for for every opera company's marketing because he does really <laughs> interesting things on his social media and when you have him contracted on the TikToks and the Snapchats, yeah, when you, he's oh under exclusivity with your company, you know that you're going to get great content out of him. You know? yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap it up. Good call, bad call on Opera Box Score. All right, it's that time again. Opera, uh, uh, opera Box Score. We're going to do a good call, bad call here. What do you have for me, Oliver? Well, why don't we share Matt's good call to start? Yeah, let's do that. Um, so uh, 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 we all separately, we didn't like even see each other, uh, but we all separately went to see uh, the Lyric Opera of Chicago's uh, Queen of Spades. Uh, 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 I personally quite enjoyed it. It's a Richard Jones production featuring mm -hmm. Sandra Budanowski, Lucas Meacham, Brandon Yovanovich, and... Um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Samuel Yoon? Um, that sounds right. Samuel, yeah. I don't remember. I don't have my notes yeah. in front of me. Uh, there's also a giant skeleton, so you can look yeah. forward to that. I was a big fan of the giant skeleton. All right, uh, LaRob, do you have to oh, have Matt, a you didn't say Matt. Matt says that great singing from Sandra and Lucas yep. Meacham in particular overcome an inconsistent staging in Tchaikovsky's Twisted Opera. Former performances running into early March, and I want to say that seek out Lucas Meacham on the Facebook because he sings Yal Bas Yublu uh, with piano, and it does really steal the show. And But you could hear him sing just like those famous phrases mm -hmm. uh, on the Facebooks. Yeah. How about you, LaRob? Do you have any uh, good calls, bad calls, shameless self-promotions? What have you got for us? I've definitely got shameless self-promotions. Oh, I love um, it. So you mentioned my organization, Hearing in Color, earlier in the program. I just want to mention that we do have a concert coming in a couple of weeks. It's February 29th at 7 p.m. This will be at North Shore Baptist Church. It's going to be a concert featuring spirituals that talk about the African-American journey um, mm -hmm. from Africa to the present-day America. I really think it's going to be a powerful program, and I would really love to see all of you there. Is there a website? There is. You can visit hearingincolor.org or you can just visit uh, Facebook, type in Hearing in Color, and we can share the event with you. That's in Chicago, folks. Yes, in That's Chicago. in Chicago. All right, it's time to wrap up here. Uh, you, uh, That is it for this week's edition of America's Talk radio show about opera. The general managers at WNUR are Henry Moskal and Somil Sangvi. Our announcer is Norm Waddell, who can be found at voxershorts.com. That's V-O-X-E-R. S-H-O-R-T-S dot com. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra with opera stats and on-this-day content from operabase.com. On Facebook, search for Opera Box Score. Be sure to share and comment on our posts. On Twitter, we're at Opera Box Score. And the podcast version of our show is available wherever you get your pods. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For LaRob, uh, I'm Weston Williams asking you to continue the conversation about opera as hopefully spring begins to dawn upon this cold, cold, cold Chicago winter. Uh, we're back next week on Monday, February 25th at 9 p.m. Central with more opera news, more hot takes, and probably more leap year jokes. Join us then. This is WNUR 89.3 FM and HD1 Evanston, Chicago, Chicago's Sound Experiment.